Oh, it is good to be here. I hope you are in a patriotic mood uh, today. You should be, after all that we've heard. It's been good, has it not? I, I think of uh, an old evangelist that used to come to our church years ago by the name of Bobby Grubbs, and he would say, you know, I feel just like a lightning bug that backed into a fan. I'm delighted to be present here. I am delighted to be at Trinity Baptist Church uh, this morning. Brother Robbie called a few days ago and asked if we could come uh, and be with you today. And uh, I didn't have to think about it very long or pray about it. I, uh, I wanted to come. I knew there were a few folk here that needed to be preached to that I wanted to preach to. Like Walton Hill and... Uh, Neil Daniel, and a few others that may be around here, but we've got a lot of friends that are right here in this congregation, and it's a joy for me to have this opportunity one more time uh, to be here uh, with you. I've known Ben a long time. He was just a little old bitty fella uh, when I first saw him, and uh, we took him down off of a few poles that he was climbing and a few things like that. that, but he was a, a good boy even then. So it's good to be with you, Brother Ben. It sure is. And it's wonderful to be at, at Trinity. I want to share with you this morning a few thoughts that uh, go along with our emphasis uh, that we have God and country. I'm glad to be an American. Aren't you? Amen. Amen. I am. Thankful for our country. No, the multitude of blessings that we have all had through our lives. May we not take them for granted today. You've got your Bible. I want you to look at a couple of verses that are familiar to you. And then I want to point you to another section of Scripture that may be a little less familiar to you, but yet from which we draw some of our thoughts today. First of all, turn to Psalm, the book of Psalm chapter 11 and verse number 3. Psalm 11 and verse number 3. Give you just a moment to look there. Psalm 11 verse 3. Familiar verse. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? I find great, great challenge from that verse. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? We're certainly seeing the foundations destroyed this day and time, in my opinion. Then Proverbs chapter 14, verse number 34. Proverbs 14 and verse number 34. Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach, it's a shame, it's a disgrace to any people. Then if you would like to turn over to the 78th chapter, of the book of Psalms, and hold your finger there for just a moment. I'll refer to it as we go through the thoughts that I want to share with you 
today. This morning we pause, I believe, to give deserved recognition to the unique document, especially the Declaration of Independence. 1776, this document was drafted and God-fearing men put their names on the docket saying, we will live or we will die, but we want a free country for ourselves and for our children and for our grandchildren. We who are here have lived in the best conditions of any place in the world. I hope you understand that. I know things are not ideal here, and we have our problems, and we have our challenges, but we have the privilege of having freedom because of what took place on July the 4th in 1776. Fifty-six men, as you well know, signed on the line saying, we support the independence, and we declare our independence. And Now, we have people that uh, these men were uh, willing to give their fortune and their sacrifice, sacrifice their families and whatever it took for freedom, for freedom. I couldn't come today without bringing with me the documents, a, a copy of the Declaration of Independence. Have you ever taken a copy of this great document and studied it closely and shared it with your children and with your grandchildren? Men died because of this document right here. Families were destroyed. They wanted it so badly. Then I had to bring, this was in 1776, and then 1787, the Constitution of the United States was put together so that we might know exactly who we are and what we're all about. Later on, because of the great concerns of those that... uh, had been through tyranny and had suffered at the hands of others, they put together the Bill of Rights, December the 15th, 1791. These three great documents have stood the test of time. And I say again, they did this, and they were willing to pay whatever price was necessary so that we might have freedom. Freedom. Just think about that. Free to assemble as we have this morning. Free to go to our jobs and to make the best out of every day that we possibly could. Freedom to, uh, to do what we want to with the earnings that we have, to own our own property, to be able uh, to um, build a life of wonder and amazement, literally, for ourselves and our families, as we've been able to do here in America. I want to declare today afresh and anew that I personally am a flag-waving American patriot. And I make no bones about it. And don't burn the flag on my property or try to do so. And we ought to be that way. We ought to respect the flag that stands for the blood that was shed and the lives that were given so that we might have freedom. Just freedom. Would you say that word with me? Freedom. One more time. Freedom. Just to be free to do and to worship God and to follow God's leadership as God would have us to do. I hold in highest esteem our founding fathers who had the vision and had the faith and had, was willing to pay the sacrifice so that we could have it. I'd like to have been a lot of places in history. 
And as I am a student of history and majored in history, I, there's so many different places, but as I thought about this meeting today, I thought, boy, I would love to have been there, you know, with Patrick Henry when he made that statement that none of us can forget when he says, give me liberty or give me what? Death. Think about that. He meant it. I want to be free. And I'm willing to pay whatever price is necessary. I'm willing to die if necessary that I can be free and my children can be free and my grandchildren can be free. I read a statement that was written by a country preacher. And he said, Lord, give me a backbone as big as a saw log and ribs like the sleepers under the floor. Put iron shoes on me and galvanized breeches. Give me a rhinoceros hide for skin and hang a wagon load of determination up in the gable ends of my soul. Help me to sign a contract to fight the devil as long as I, I've got fists and then to bite him as long as I've got a tooth and the gumming until he dies. I like that kind of determination, don't you? That's the kind that Patrick Henry had when he said, Give me liberty or give me death. My hat is also off to Nathan Hale, a man who was willing to die and gave his life so that he might help America become a free, independent country for all of us to enjoy. It was Nathan Hale who said, I only regret, just prior to his death, I only regret that I have but one life to lose for my country. I would love to have been there sometime along the way. Maybe just one time to have knelt out in the forest with George Washington. When he, when he faced such insurmountable odds and when the, the whole British Empire was coming against him and the thousands and thousands of redcoats were determined to keep us from having a country that was free. Yet he prayed and he sought the face of God. My friend, there's a whole lot of revision going on in history today. But don't, don't, don't let anybody tell you that George Washington didn't depend on God to set this country on its course. Or that George Washington was not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, a religious man. I'm telling you, be careful what the modern revisionists bring into your classroom and into your life. George Washington, a great colonel, a great leader said it is impossible to rightly govern the world without God in the Bible. You understand, the first president and the man that led us to independence said it is impossible to rightly govern the world without God and the Bible. Oh, there's a new program. It's on, I understand, TV now. I've not seen it, but I've seen the advertisement in and it is entitled Idiot's Test. I think it's based out of Washington, D.C. I'm not sure about that, but I believe they'd have an endless source of candidates to be on that particular program. The first thing Washington did after being elected was place his hand on the Bible and take the oath of office to preserve the freedoms that had been won. The second thing that he did, they tell us, was take all of the Senate 
and all of the house of representatives to a, into a, a, a praise service, a worship service of God Almighty. Wouldn't that be something today? See, all of our Senate and all of Congress go into a place of worship and cry out to God to lead us in the decisions that we've got to make. You know, it was in, I read somewhere that in uh, 1776, when the Declaration of Independence was declared, that 99, maybe 99.8% of all people in America then professed to be Christians. <laughs> That's not true today. It's become cool to be atheist. Cool to be atheist. How pathetic. That is a pathetic bunch. How can you be so hollow-headed as to be atheistic? It takes far more faith to be an atheist than it does to trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone. I tell you, because we've got the evidence all around us of the truth of the Word of God and of Jesus Christ. You know, our, our loss began back in 1947, back in my beginning days and. 47, when one particular lawyer, ACL lawyer, Leo Pfeiffer, I believe his name was, laid on the desk of the then Supreme Court, Hugo Black, a decision that was initiated and found, funded and delivered by the ACLU and convinced that Supreme Court Justice Hugo Black to adopt that decision. And Hugo Black comes out and makes this statement, there should be a wall of separation between church and state. And therefore indicates that we ought to be a secular nation. I'm saying to you that it was never meant, America was never designed, our, our documents and our founding fathers never meant this country to be a secular nation, but a God-fearing and a God-honoring nation because it was that was what was going to give us the freedom always always, individually, as well as a country. France followed shortly after 1776 and, and adapt, adopting this secular philosophy, and it brought the tyranny of Napoleon and others since that day. May I declare to you very clearly, very emphatically this morning, that there's nothing uh, in the Declaration of Independence, nor in the Constitution, nor in the Bill of Rights. There's absolutely nothing in here that indicates there ought to be a wall. They never meant there to be a wall between church and state. What they were concerned about was keeping the state out of the church, not the influence of the church in the state. We desperately, desperately need that. As a matter of fact, it was the very opposite of what they have tried to make us believe. I found some of the things as I went through these documents here and other documents that they really did believe, not a separation of church and state. And I see, I see people sometimes think there ought to be, even good Christian people, maybe they ought to be, but be careful, look and see what they really, really meant. They didn't mean you to leave your relationship to Jesus Christ and God Almighty outside of the classroom or outside of the of a, a government building or whatever. That was never, ever their intentions. They believe in character. 
that character and religion was necessary for a free Republican government. It's obvious that the second they believed in religion is necessary for virtue and morality. And it is. And they believe that religion is therefore necessary for Republican government to function. And it, it, it does. It is that way. John Quincy Adams made the statement. He said, the highest glory of the American Revolution was that it united in one indissoluble bond the principles of Christianity and the principle of civil government. One insoluble bond. That's the highest glory of the American Revolution. That's where so many died. That's why so much blood was shed, that they might be put together in the right relationship. But with one stroke of the pen. Hugo Black in 1947, and we've had two Supreme Court uh, decisions handed down in recent days that were wrong. I'm sorry if you felt like they were, but they, in my view, and I believe based on the Word of God, were wrong decisions. But the Hugo Black changed in the Emerson decision. He separated the two. And as a result of separating the, uh, what they call putting a wall and bringing no religion, bringing no, take out the Bible. You know, I'm a graduate of Mass County High School. And I remember in my, one of my years in, in school, uh, matter of fact, I had the privilege of being Mr. MCHS in, in my day of graduation. But I remember at one time, reading the Scripture over the intercom system. And wouldn't that be something? That all of our schools, all of our, our government-run schools could have the Word of God and could be able, the students could be able to hear the promises and the transition that God wants to bring into our lives over the Internet before they ever start school. You say, is that bringing religion into the school? Yep, it is. But as a result, we've gotten away with it. We've taken it all out. And as a result, prayer is out and policemen are in. The Bibles are out and values clarification is in. Ten Commandments are out and rape and armed robbery and lying and cheating are on the increase and they're in. Creation is out and evolution is in. Corporal punishment is out and respect and rebellion are in. Traditional values are out, and unwed motherhood is in. Abstain, abstinence, abstinence, sorry, abstinence is what I want to say, is uh, out, and sexual revolution is in. Learning is out, and social engineering is in. And history is out, and revisionism is in. Now in Psalm 78, there's a rebellious nation that God is dealing with. It is somewhat a picture of the nation that we have, that we are experiencing the way our nation is going even today. You look down in uh, oh, verse number 18, it lets us know there in that verse that the lust of the flesh is something that is uh, dominant in that society and that waywardness of Israel at that time, and so it is uh, today. The erosion of moral values is all round about us. I mean, we can't ignore that. You look down in verse number 40 and verse number 41, you certainly see there the limitedness, the rebellion against uh, God and the things of God, the allurement of the world, they're limited. 
And we want to put a circle, uh, the world does, wants to put a circle around God and say, tell God, you stay in there. Don't come out of that circle, you stay in there. And we'll live our lives in a secular, godless fashion. In verse number 58, there's the lies of the devil that are given. Not only did they shut God in, but they also turned to pagan gods. See, this thing about it, there's a void within the heart of every man, woman, boy, or girl. It's there that God put there, created there. That can only be filled, that void can only be filled by a relationship to God through Jesus Christ. But yet we try, the world tries to fill it. And the government tries to fill it with other things and it'll never be filled. And we go down, down, down deeper as a result of it. You know, it must be true what Hitler said. Probably about the only thing he ever said was true. But Hitler made this statement. He said, if you tell a big lie often enough, a big lie often enough and loud enough, people will come to believe it. So they say, they cry from the rooftop, sodomy is okay, that it's right, it's all right, it's normal, it's natural, it's just an alternate lifestyle. You hear it, and you hear it, and you hear it, to where we began to wonder, maybe it is an alternate lifestyle. Oh, but that baby in the womb is just, it's just flesh. You know, it's just tissue, that's all. And we begin to believe it after a while. God help us. The devil wants to do everything he can to disconnect your children and your grandchildren from history and from the realities that are right. John tells us that tr- know the truth and the truth will set you free. Nothing but the truth will set us free. Nothing. As an individual, if I do not accept the truth of the love of God and the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and if I don't commit my life and heart to Him, I'll never know the truth. I'll never be free. I don't accept that truth. In this passage of Scripture, Ephraim in Psalm 78 was defeated at battle because of their poor memory and because they had forgotten God. America, as strong as she is and has been, she's weaker today than she has been, but as strong as she even was at her height, can go down. We certainly are headed in that direction now. In Psalm chapter 78, verse number 3, calls upon fathers and grandfathers to teach the next generation the ways of God. Don't leave it up to teachers whose hands are oftentimes tied behind them and principals and administrators who cannot come forth with the truth that will set them free. It's my job and it's your job as father and as grandfather to make sure they understand where God, who God is and where God has brought us from and where He has us today. It's our job. You may say, but preacher, I don't know history But I ask you, get your history book, a good one, not a revision, but a good one. Get your history of the church, a history of the family. Look at the things God's done through our great men and women that have lived in America. The greatest place on earth to live. Let them know that in 
1892 in what was called then the Trinity Decision. How about that? That fits, doesn't it? The Supreme Court, after researching thousands, this was the Supreme Court now, in 1892, after researching thousands of pages over a 10-year period of time, said this, this is a religious people, a Christian nation. Well, we don't look too Christian today. Well, it was founded as a Christian nation, and God wants us to stay a Christian nation. I'm convinced, and He's given us the light and the liberty to make it a Christian nation But if we do nothing, if we just sit idly by, then we will forfeit that blessing and that privilege. What we're going, what is going on, we see going on today, I believe is a disconnected issue, apparently a disconnected issue that really is a part of coherent pagan effort of ideology that is wrong. All these things, it just seems like it keeps coming from this direction and this direction and this one. There's attack in every way coming our way. And it is all a planned pagan ideology wishes to absorb and to rip from us the freedoms that have given us the joys of the, the greatest joys that men have been able to have in this world. You say, what can we do? What can we do, preacher? Psalm chapter 33, verse number 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom He hath chosen for His own inheritance. Greatest need of all is for every one of us here to know that we know that we know that Jesus Christ is our Savior and Lord of our lives. It's very difficult to understand and to contribute toward the betterment of this country, very difficult in regards to how it was set up without knowing Christ as Savior and as Lord. I'm glad we can say the truth truth is what sets you free. And as I said a moment ago, the truth of our Lord and Savior is the most important thing. So my friend, if you're here and you're a father, you need to know Christ as Savior, not only so that you can go to heaven when the heart stops beating, but in order that you can have the right influence on your wife and then your children and your grandchildren. Mothers, you need to know Christ as Savior because the apron strings on which we all have, have held on to and have depended upon, you will so much influence to know Christ as Savior, that's the, one of the most important contributions that can be made to this, to this our country that we love. Nation, a nation that was built upon the fundamentals of the Word of God depends on us. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 34, Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Don't give the devil a foothold in your life and in your family by turning away from Jesus Christ or by determining to govern your own self instead of being governed by the Word of God. Nation, a nation is a reproach or sin is a reproach to any, any nation. And we see it all around us in this world in which we live heard in the halls of Congress while at the same time heard in the halls of heaven are the things that mean much to us. We should be able to talk to our congressmen and call them. Don't be afraid of them. 
They are our servants. And tell them, I've talking to one this week, tell them what you expect of them and what is right. And if they don't seem to understand and know, you tell them what the Scriptures say or what the Bible has laid out for us as a way in which our country can prosper. I like Romans chapter 10, verse 1, which says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God is for Israel is that it might be saved. So one of the best ways we can do it is come to know Christ and then uh, vote, serve, yield to the Lord so that we can direct our family and then our family can help direct the community and the community can help uh, direct government. That's all the way we build, block after block after block. Oh, God, help us do this. This is not, you know, in the Columbine shooting, that's such a sad thing to refer to. But in the Columbine shooting, most of you probably read, where Rachel Scott was one of the young ladies that lost her life in Columbine, Colorado school there. The shooter, as he was taking out many of the students there, comes up, to, comes to her after having uh, shot Rachel Scott twice, and grabs her by the hair of the head, lifts the head up, points the gun at her, and said, "Now, now, do you believe in God?" And the testimony is, the truth has told us that Rachel Scott said yes. Oh, yes. And the shooter says, go and be with him then. And he shoots her again. That is a tragedy to say the least. But I'm so glad that Rachel Scott set a standard. Really, she did. A standard that said that knowing Jesus Christ is worth dying for. That to have, a, and, and we can unfold that to say to have a country that's free where our children, our grandchildren can come to know the Lord, can know God, can live a free life and not be uh, in tyranny, uh, but to have freedom is worth whatever price we have to pay. That type of thing is not America. What the fathers meant for us was that we might be open to the Word of God so that the Word of God could take lodging in our hearts and our lives and that we would go out and we'd be the best men that we could be, that we'd be the best husbands that we could be, that we could be the best provider for our family that we could be. You could be the best wife. You could be a land of the free, the home of the brave so that we could know God and we could experience the blessings of God. But if we turn away, as we have seemingly desired to do as a nation, God doesn't have any choice but to bring judgment upon us. I like the Star Spangled Banner where it said, Blessed with victory and peace. Blessed with victory and peace. May the heaven rescue land. Praise the power that hath made and preserved us as a nation. The Nazarene goes on, Our Father's God, to Thee, author of liberty. He's the author of liberty. To Thee we sing. Long may our land be bright with freedom's holy light. Great God, our King. 
I want to conclude this morning by sharing with you very quickly the statement that was made, or the article was written by Judge Roy Moore. You remember that name? Judge Roy Moore was the Alabama judge that was defrocked, uh, I guess we could say, uh, taken out of his office uh, from being a judge because he would not remove the Ten Commandments from a public arena. Judge Roy Moore writes this. He says, America the beautiful, or so you used to be, land of the pilgrim's pride, I'm glad they'll never see, babies piled in dumpsters, Abortion on demand. Oh, sweet land of liberty. Your house is on the sand. Our children wander aimlessly, poisoned by cocaine, choosing to indulge their lust when God has said abstain. From sea to shining sea, our nation turns away from the teaching of God's love and a need to always pray. So many worldly preachers tell us lies about our rock, saying God is going broke so they can fleece the flock. We've kept God in our temples, how callous we have grown when earth is but his footstool and heaven is his home, his throne. We voted in a government that's rotting at the core, appointing godless judges who throw reason out the door. Too soft to place a killer in a well-deserved tomb, but brave enough to kill a baby before he leaves the womb. You think that God's not angry, that our land's a moral slum? How much longer will he wait before his judgment comes? How are we to face our God, from whom we cannot hide, what then is left for us to do but stem the evil tide? If we who are his children, who humbly will humbly turn and pray, seek his face, holy face, and mend our evil way, then God will hear from heaven and forgive us of our sins. He'll heal our sickly land and those who live within. But America the beautiful, if you don't then you will see sad but holy God withdraw his hand from thee. Judge Roy Moore. I quote John chapter 3, or John chapter 8, verse 32 again. The truth. You know the truth. The truth will set you free. Have you experienced the truth? Do you know you'd go to heaven today if you were to die? You don't, you're part to some degree, you're more part of the problem than you are the answer, because you need to know Christ. But then let me ask you this. How long has it been since you cried out to God for His will to be done, no matter what in your life, and in the country? It may take some people that are willing to say, like those of old, I'm willing to die. What about are we willing to live in such a way that our children and our grandchildren have no question but what God exists and that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world and that righteousness exalteth a nation. 
They ought to be able to see that in our lives. Why can't we do it now instead of waiting until our country goes down, down, down? Why can't we determine in our individual lives, individual hearts and homes and families to make a difference so as not to be a part of the problem, but to be a little part at least of the solution turning our country around so we can continue to praise Him for the liberties that we have and for the freedoms that we enjoy. Day in and day out. Will you bow with me in prayer, please?